Welcome, everyone, to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Hi, everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome back to our Ride the Elephant Today podcast. It's great to have you. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, the last time we got together, we talked about blame. We had a great conversation with Brian. It was such a wonderful conversation. And I said, Brian, you got to come back. We got to talk about this some more. So welcome back again, Brian. It's good to be here. Yeah, this is Brian McKinley. He's my son. And he's been an integral part of this process that I've been going through and putting all this stuff together and creating great cultures. So here we are again today. And one of the things that we want to begin with, Brian, is I want to talk about both our blaming nature, along with excuses, our justifications, are the primary ways that we avoid taking personal responsibility. I don't know what it is about personal responsibility, but we have a hard time doing it. That's where leadership struggles, is taking personal responsibility. Great leaders take personal responsibility. Great leaders create great cultures and great organizations. Hey, excuse-making, Brian, is omnipresent in our society today. It's become a cultural norm. For some reason, our brain is conditioned to immediately go to an excuse to explain something that happened or didn't happen. You know, for me, it happened so fast that I don't even know I'm consciously thinking of an excuse, but man, they just come out at me subconsciously. They're there. And before I know it, I'm throwing an excuse on somebody trying to get myself out of trouble. I was at a car wash recently. And I had a guy who failed to clean the dashboard of my car properly. So I got back in the car and I noticed the dust there. And I said, ah, you know, I could get it next time. But I had plans for that weekend for the car and I wanted it clean. So I asked him to come back in and do it. And of course, he said to me, my bad. You know, and I thought, boy, that's become a popular excuse for us all. I say that all the time. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. It's like, my bad, you're bad, and we're all bad. And so we just accepted his excuse. And what's interesting about that, when a person says it, you're supposed to just say, okay, it's all set, no problem. So what do you think about this situation in our society today where excuses are so prevalent? So excuses are a type of blaming and blaming is a type of excuse making. Absolutely. So if Congress is always blaming the executive and the executive is always blaming the Congress. Is that part of what you're talking about with a crisis of leadership? Well, yeah, not just that, but in we're talking about crisis of leadership in businesses. But it's also in the leadership of our homes. You know, we sit there at the dinner table in front of our kids, throw out an excuse of something that happened at work, and our kids listen to that and they think, well, no one's taking personal responsibility here for it. They don't think that, <laughs> that their parents aren't taking personal responsibility. But they do think, well, the way to get out of trouble or the way to respond to situations you don't like is to come up with an excuse and justify it in some way. They see excuses working. Yes, that's correct. And the excuses do work. Unfortunately, they do work. But they don't work at creating great cultures. They don't work at creating great relationships. You know, when people say you did the best you could, and then they say, hey, you did what anybody would do. It's all anybody could expect. Or we say... Hey, we all make mistakes, no worries. It happens to the best of us. Better luck next time. When we make comments like this, 
we are basically justifying why we don't have to take personal responsibility for the things that happen in our life. We learn at a very young age that excuses don't have to be true to work. Sure. You know, I had an interesting experience. You know, I taught for 15 years at a high school. I'm a practicing dentist, but I took an hour every morning to go in and teach at the high school. And what was interesting, I would sometimes be visiting with the secretary in the office. And it was fun to see her field all the excuses that came from the students for why they weren't coming to school that day or why they were late mm-hmm. or the excuses parents were using. And I said, Mary, you probably are an expert on excuse making. You've absolutely heard them all. And she goes, oh, yeah, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've heard them all. I know every excuse. <laughs> she says, they're all right here. And she picked it up and she showed me. She says, this is my basket of excuses. Look at all of them. <laughs> And I said, Mary, the best thing about all those excuses, they've all been pre-approved, haven't they? Mm -hmm. They've all been accepted. That's why they work. They work. The administration has already pre-approved those excuses. So all you have to do is pick one of a thousand and you're in. And we do the same thing in the workplace. We do the same thing in our relationships. We make excuses and we justify. Yeah, it's all too common. I think one of my favorite ways to look at excuses is... I look at the preamble to excuses. You know, this is how I can smell. You know, like you can smell a skunk from a mile away. Mm -hmm. Well, you can smell an excuse from a mile away. You want to know how? How? Well, listen to this. Okay. There's a one, two, three, and sometimes four words that will give it away every time. Ready for some of them? Yeah. I would like to. I hope to. I'll try. The favorite one. I should, or I should have. This is another great one. If only. I don't know if. I suck at. I had to. It would be nice if. I might. And my last two favorites are I can't or I won't. Whenever you hear those two, three, four words, just brace yourself. Excuse excuse. inbound. It's coming at you. And how do we respond to that? How do you respond to excuses, Brian, when you hear excuses like that? Well, that's a good question. I kind of accept them, which is troubling. I guess with my two children, I'm a little better at fielding them. But for my peers, I always just take them. I feel like you could alternately call the book, Ride the Elephant, Raise the Bar. And it's hard to raise the bar sometimes with the people in your life. It's just really challenging. It's easy to just say, okay, and just let their excuse win out over. Now, what if you challenged them about their excuse? Have you ever done that where you just, you know, I just let them say it. What if you challenged them? I mean, do people like to have their excuses challenged? Am I allowed to swear on the podcast? <laughs> no. have to guess what you said. <laughs> oh, there'd be some name calling, maybe. <laughs> yes. Or... They would just get really taciturn and non-communicative. Excuses are really tricky. I personally have a hard time with this, conceptually and realistically. Blame is a little easier, in my opinion, to process. Excuses are so prevalent. It's hard to deal with. It is. You know, I think when I realized how much blaming I was doing and how much excuse-making I was doing, I like 
putting a stop sign in front of me. I talked about it the last time. We were talking about the stop sign, and I, every time blame it starts falling off my lips, I see a stop sign. Say, stop, don't go there. And there's some triggers that do that for me with, excuse me, and the one trigger I have is this word. This is my favorite one. The word but. It seems like the conjunction but in any sentence. It's like whenever you say something, when you say but, an excuse is coming. You know, it's like I was going to do that, but I had to take the dog for a walk. I would have tried out for the team, but I know I wouldn't make it. So the word but is kind of a trigger for me. And whenever I start to say it, it causes me to say, okay, is what I'm going to say right now disqualifying what I just said before the but? Is it going to give me an excuse? Is it going to be seen as a weak attempt by me to not take personal responsibility? So I ask myself that question every time the word but wants to fall off my lips. Every time? <laughs> I love superlatives. Yeah, that's the ultimate superlative. Yes. Every time. You know, and I say every time, it's every time it falls off of my lip. I ask myself the question. Another one is, this is the word at the beginning of the sentences. Yeah, I call it iffy. You know, I say, stop iffy. That's me. That's my word to myself that say, if you start a sentence with if, you're really doing a justification. So I don't like justifying things. I don't like making excuses for things. I don't want to blame I know the great leaders, and I want to be a great leader. I know the great leaders don't blame. They don't make excuses. They don't start their sentences with if. They don't. Because if communicates something that has to happen in order for this to happen. So if I only knew that is a great one. If I only knew that this was going to happen, then I would have done that. So that's another word that kind of catches me in my mischief, I would say, is the word if. What about for you? Oh, all the time. There's a stack of contingencies that, you know, nothing happens unless the ifs are all taken care of in advance. It's tricky. I wonder what alternatives someone could have in order to realistically confess their troubles or their obstacles without sounding like they're making an excuse or ifing or explaining and justifying what's going on. Yeah, I think when you're in a relationship with someone, you have a conversation about things that are not going well or certainly a problem for you. I think as long as your communication is coaxed in a package of personal responsibility where you're not blaming, you're not trying to get out of something, you're saying, hey, I learned a lot from this process. When this happened, I learned a lot. I'm going to do what I can next time not to have that happen. So if you can just take this tendency for us to blame and make excuses and convert it to a conversation of personal responsibility, and there are certain ways that we do that. There are certain word choices that we can use, and I'm going to get into some of those in a few minutes. But I want to talk a little bit about one more that really grabs me. And this you'll relate to, because you travel a lot with me. The word sorry. Sorry. Yeah. We've said a lot today with the COVID experience. You know, COVID has been an interesting thing. Not only has it been a very sad thing for our country, 
from the standpoint of the deaths we've had and the pain and suffering we've had and the heartaches we've had of losing loved ones and not be able to see the loved ones as they go through the challenges that they go through in life. It's been a very sad thing for us with the COVID response. One of the things that's happening post-COVID is the lack of personal responsibility by businesses. And this is one of my pet peeves, is it seems like anytime you go somewhere and they give you poor service and they always say, sorry, because of COVID, we haven't been able to do this. Because of COVID, we haven't been able to do that. Everyone is sorry, sorry, sorry. And I just think culturally, that's a tough thing to overcome. I watched Marriott, for example. I went to a Marriott resort in the spring. And every time we asked them for something, they said, no, we can't do that anymore. We can't put this in the room. We can't do that anymore. We can't serve breakfast. We can't do this. We can't do that at all because of COVID. And every time you went up to someone to ask them a question, it was like, the bellman at the front door now is empowered to tell you that he can't do something that you always expected. And I'm just wondering how long it's going to take for the hospitality industry to get back into providing the kind of quality service they did before and stop using Sorry. COVID. Sorry. Sorry, it's because of COVID. As an excuse. And, you know, that was one of my pet peeves. We oftentimes traveled in the motorhome around the country and we'd go to places and we pull in and check in and register in a campground, and then we had to listen to what? Somebody tell us that, sorry, yeah. the pool's closed. Yeah, and they have all these rules. Yeah, and I would just, like, crawl out of my seat. And you guys would all get a kick out of it. Sure. I remember you guys echoing in unison, sorry, sorry. <laughs> His dad was going crazy. Yeah, there's one particular geographical region of the world, I'll leave it unnamed, where... Sorry is, it's their mantra. Yes. The land of saris. And when people use that word and just let it fall off their lips, it's like, hmm, is there a better way of responding than throwing that catch-all excuse out for us to have to digest, which some of us have no problem with, but I do. You know, one of the things that when my son Blake was in fifth grade. I like to tell this story. He just had a propensity of not wanting to do his homework. And the teacher would kind of get on Blake's case and say, Blake, you got to do your homework, got to do your homework. So one time she tells us a story when she asked Blake, Blake, why don't you do the homework? And the teacher's used to getting every excuse under the book. This is what Blake said, something like this. He said, I just didn't want to. <laughs> the teacher looked at him and said, Blake, what do you mean you didn't want to? I just didn't want to do it. Well, what do you mean? You don't have any excuse? No, I don't have an excuse. I just didn't want to do it. And it was like the teacher was begging Blake for an excuse. It's like she just couldn't process this. So far from her paradigm oh, to yeah. hear the truth. Yeah. He just didn't want to do it. How would you like that if a server or someone in the service industry told you, <laughs> you know what? I don't want to do that. Well, then at least to be honest. You'd like that more than hearing sorry. Yes, exactly. I would. Personally, I would. <laughs> you know, I think the key in incorporating this value in the mindset, and great leaders have this value, they don't make excuses. They take personal responsibility. 
they don't ask for excuses from their workers and they respect the worker and their team members that just take personal responsibility and say, boss, I'm unresponsible. I won't do it again. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. I think people respect that. Yeah. And if you can create a culture where people take that personal responsibility, it's a lot better than people throwing excuses back and forth. Excuses and blame just destroy cultures. Yeah. Not only in cultures in business, they destroy cultures in organizations, they destroy cultures in the family unit. So one of the things that I would propose to all of you today is to consider some beliefs that might cause us to have a different response. One of the beliefs I would suggest that I take on, and I didn't always take this on in my life, but more recently, I have some way, personal responsibility in everything that happens to me. That means no matter what happens, in some way, I have responsibility for it. So for me to throw out an excuse is saying I don't believe my own belief. Well, if I believe this, that in some way I have personal responsibility in everything that happens to me, then in fact, I can't make an excuse. Now, some of you might say, well, what if it's not your fault? What if it's something that's clearly not your fault and you have no responsibility for it whatsoever? I said, okay, I get that. But I'm talking about personal responsibility. In that way, I have personal responsibility for everything that happens to me. And it's how I respond, personal responsibility, and how I respond to what happened to me. So what happened? I don't like it. I could make an excuse. I could do a lot of things. I could blame. However, how I take that situation and respond to it is the key. Not the situation, my response to it. Great leaders respond with personal responsibility. So what that says to me is even if the excuse is legitimate, you can still take personal responsibility. Even if the fault is legitimate. Yes. That precept, quote, I have in some way personal responsibility in everything that happens to me. That's almost the same, if not the exact same precept that you use to mitigate blame too. Yes. It's the same. So it's two birds, one stone. Because excuse-making is really blaming. The second belief I look at is when I make excuses, I'm inviting and supporting codependent relationships. In other words, my codependent relations likes me to make excuses. They make excuses. I make excuses, and everybody's happy when we both make excuses. There's an interesting poem by Portia Nelson. Did you ever read that poem, There's a Hole in My Sidewalk? I have heard this poem before, yeah. Portia Nelson. Yeah, check it out. I walk down the sidewalk. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. And the moral of that story, and the poem goes on, and the moral of that story is, is that until I take personal responsibility for falling into the hole in the first place, I'm going to have a very hard time finding my way out. The other thing that I think a belief I have about excuse-making is excuse damages the self-esteem and the esteem of others. So the esteem of others and my self-esteem is affected when I make excuses because I'm not taking personal responsibility. When do you feel better? We think we said this last time. When do you feel better, Ryan, when you're making excuses and blaming or when you're taking personal responsibility? I feel more powerful when I'm taking personal responsibility. Absolutely. I feel better. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that I really became aware of 
as I started to see other people make excuses. I saw how weak and incapable they look. I perceived them to be weak and incapable. So when I watched a person make an excuse and make you know this elaborate justification for why they did what they did or for what happened, when I saw that, I said, you know, they really appear weak and incapable. Do I want to feel like that? Do I want to appear that way when I make excuses? So that's what really caught my attention. And I said, I'm going to stop making those excuses because I don't want to be seen as weak and incapable. And I think leaders really lose respect and lose their support and a following when they make excuses because they look weak and incapable. So, Doc, I have a question for you. We ended the last episode, actually, with this question. And we've talked about the concept of self-esteem. And we've come to think of the antithesis of self-esteem as being self-image. So I was wondering if when people make excuses, is it coming from a place of self-image? Great question. Yes, it does. Self-esteem is the level of respect you have for yourself. By definition, that's what it is. It's a level of respect you have for yourself. Your self-image is what you try to project. It's the image you want other people to think you are. It's like your movie playing out. And it's your facade. It may not be the real you, and oftentimes isn't. So your self-image is what you want other people to think of you. So if you don't want someone to be mad at you, or you want them to think of you in a certain way, some people think that excuses helps their self-image. It makes them look better because they don't get in trouble. There's no consequences. Their impression in front of their boss is better because they have an excuse. Mm. No, frankly, as a boss, as a leader, an excuse tells me a lot about you with the giving of the excuse. In my eye, I have a lesser respect for you in my organization for you throwing out an excuse at me than the person who doesn't. One of the things that I do in the office to change that culture is everyone knows what this hand over the one hand over the top. And you give the timeout symbol. Timeout symbol. You know, you see it in an NBA basketball game. They give you this timeout. Yeah. It's pretty universal for every sport. Yeah. When someone starts throwing an excuse at me, I just stand there and go like this. It's like you really don't want to go down this path. You don't want to continue this conversation. You don't want to throw out an excuse at me. You need to regather yourself. And come and back to me with some personal responsibility. Come back with personal responsibility because this ain't going to fly. So what I'm hearing you say is that esteem is kind of synonymous with respect. And a person who has self-respect doesn't need to make excuses. They don't need no. to put on a mask or some smoke screen to protect themselves right. with that excuse. And they'll just come out and say, hey, I messed up. They're more forthright. Yeah. They're more honest. And they move ahead with making it right. Right. Excuses smell like rotten eggs. And you can smell them a mile away. And you know what? Team members can smell it from their leaders, their bosses, and bosses can smell it from their team. And it's a killer for a culture. It destroys a culture. That's the reason I do the timeout. I am not going to let my culture be destroyed by you giving me an excuse right now. And I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. And I will not give an excuse to them 
So I think, again, if you're looking to be a strong leader, if you're looking to be a personal leadership in your home and in your social groups, in your church, in your workplace, get in a habit of taking personal responsibility and never make an excuse. Never justify your actions with an excuse. Mm. It's hard to do, but not as hard as you think. When you give people that timeout signal, they probably don't take it very well, especially the first couple times. Yeah. But really, it's coming from a place of tough love, isn't it? Yes. You expect more from them than their excuses. Brian, we have two word pictures here. We have a big red stop sign. Yeah. For what? Stop the blame. Stop the blame. Stop sign. Blame yeah. falls off your lips. Stop. We have another word picture that the referee giving a timeout signal is what? Timeout. No excuses. Yeah. Come back to me when you're ready to talk yeah. in personal responsibility. And that goes for you, too. Yeah. You know, you got to not do that as well. And you'll be amazed by what a shift you'll see in your culture, just in those two things alone. So that's why I'm really excited about you guys that are going to stay with me in the future podcast, because we're going to continue to talk about these things that will bring about a great culture, bring about a great family culture. And that, you know, I keep saying family culture. What are we talking about there? I think we've seen a demise in family culture in our society. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> it's sad. I don't know why I'm laughing, but yeah, I've had personal experience with that. And the nuclear family is not as precious as I think it used to be. No. And I think the nuclear family would be better served if some of these conversations could be brought into the arena. You know, of the dinner table you're talking about? No, the, the elephant table? on the dinner table. Oh, yes, the dinner table. So when people are talking, we start identifying the elephant in the room, which is, you know what? There's a culture of blaming going on in this family. You know, every time there's an argument, I hear blame, 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 blame. Yeah. Every time there's an argument. Every time there's some type of disagreement, there's excuse, 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 excuse. You know, what is this? Do you really want to have a family environment at the dinner table, in the living room, in the car, which is constantly blame and excuse making. And you know what? You can stop it. Right. You as a parent or the leader of the family right. can stop this madness from happening and just get one of those red stop signs and learn to say time out. But always remember that if you put a time out on somebody else and you do it yourself, it ain't going to work. You got to be congruent. You got to do it first and then expect it second. Does it help the family if, as the leader, you model taking personal responsibility? Absolutely. You know, and you do that, for example, this reminds me of this, and I want to make sure I get this in. You know, Brian, one of the things we've seen today is these apologies. We see in the media sometimes, we'll see an athletic person a tennis star or a baseball star or a football star say something or do something that the social media just kind of cracks down on them and just says, you know, you can't do this, can't do that. And they kind of put the person that said it, put them in the place of having to make an apology. Mm. And generally what we hear is these what I call pseudo apologies. Mm. They look like apologies. They almost sound like an apology, but are they really an apology? You know how you can tell when an apology is not really an apology? 
is when they say something like, so I'm really sorry about what happened, and I'm sorry you took it that way. You know, that's a telltale. I'm sorry you took it that way. Sorry you were offended. I'm sorry you were offended. It's like, there's no sorry in that. That's putting the blame on them. That's blaming you for taking it that way and blaming you for being offended. So I'm sorry you were offended, and I'm sorry you took it that way. Is that not hysterical? And we listen to it, and we think, oh, they apologize. No, that wasn't an apology. Yeah. That was a very well-crafted excuse. Yes. Masking as an apology. Masking as an apology. You know, I talk about the four steps of uh, a true apology. Step number one, you have to take personal responsibility. And then after you say, you know, it was my fault, I did it, here it is, it won't happen again, then express true regret. And say, you know, it happened, and I really regret that it happened. And I hope it didn't cause you too much discomfort or inconvenience. And if for any inconvenience it did cause you, I just want to make it up to you. And even if you have to, you ask for forgiveness. And you ask for genuine forgiveness. You know, I just ask you to forgive me. If you could ever forgive me, I'd really appreciate it. Ask for forgiveness. Ask how you can make it up. So one, two, three, four, take personal responsibility, express true regret. Make sure you ask for forgiveness and then ask to make it up in some way. And they may not say, oh, you need to don't make it up, but maybe make it up by saying, I'll buy lunch today because I was late. I'll buy lunch today. Or it could be any number of ways you could make it up. That's taking a page out of Randy Pausch's book, The Last Lecture, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. If anybody remembers that book from mm -hmm. about 10, 15 years ago, yeah. I guess. A great read for the family. Yeah. Uh, tell a little brief history about... Well, he was a professor at Carnegie yeah. Mellon, right? right. And yes. he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So he gave a last lecture. Apparently, when tenured professors retire, they will give a ceremonial last lecture to past and present students at the university. So when his cancer diagnosis took a turn for the worst, he gave that last lecture and then it was published in the form of that book. These valuable life lessons relating to childhood, childhood dreams, but also just generally decisions of character. And one of the key points was how to make a genuine apology, which is instead of making excuses, genuinely confessing that you regret what you did, ask for forgiveness, and then see how you can make up yeah, for what you did. Awesome. Yeah, great read. Highly recommend that book. And it's a great thing to read within your family or any culture. Yeah, it's not a huge book, so it's pretty digestible. Hey, one of the things I want to do, Brian, before we close any session is we want to give some actionable steps that people can consider having as they move forward. I like to call these owning some precepts. And this is basically statements that we make to ourselves that we're going to try to incorporate in our life and have it be part of our new habit. And one of the things is we've talked about a lot is taking personal responsibility. We've, we've said that many times, and by now that should be strongly embedded in our thinking. You know, I need to look at what I could have done differently. Instead of creating an excuse, I need to look at what I could have done differently and take responsibility for it. I need to stop pointing the fingers at others. I need to plan for contingencies that allow me to keep my agreements so I don't have to make an excuse. And the other thing that we can do to help mitigate some of the excuse making is keep our agreements, do what we say we're going to do. And then we don't have to make an excuse. 
But be careful. Don't agree to do everything if you can't do it. Great leaders will not make commitments they can't keep. They only bite off what they can chew. Absolutely. That's a great way of saying it. I think the other thing we can do is be your word. When you say something, follow through. And when I fail to keep my word, I'll offer to make it up to somebody else. The other thing I'll do is I will not put off for tomorrow what I can do today. Many times we get ourselves in a position where we put off something until tomorrow that we could have done today. And then something else comes up that we have to do or can't do. And then we end up finding ourselves making excuses because we have, again, not enough time for all the commitments we have made. I feel that the other thing we can do is everything happens for a reason. And we always look at things as opportunities instead of problems. And I think when we do those things, those precepts can help us mitigate some of the excuse making that we do. Do you have any thoughts or questions that you would like to bring to close, Brian? Um, I'm noticing that all of these precepts kind of have a theme. Like a lot of them start with I will. Yes. And well, again, that just reminds me that this leadership thing, it starts with I. It starts with me. It starts inside of me leading my own thoughts. And I just have noticed this pattern. All of these precepts, these idioms, they start with I or I will, which is interesting. Well, it's a commitment. It's a commitment that we make to ourselves. It's more than a commitment we make to another person. Or telling another person how they need to change. Yes. But if we say, I'm going to do this, I will do this. Now, are you lying to yourself? Do you make excuses for yourself when you don't do the I will? Yes, we all need to cut us a little slack when I make a commitment or keep saying to my precept, I will take personal responsibility for every situation that occurs. Sometimes I have a hard time with that. And I need to maybe cut myself a little slack, but I'm going to do the best I can to stick to my guns and take personal responsibility in every situation and avoid making excuses. You know, it's kind of like we look at this conversation we're having, we're seeing this dichotomy playing out of excuse-making and personal responsibility, blame versus personal responsibility. And it is a dichotomy. And one of my goals is I say to myself, you know, on this continuum of where I am, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be taking personal responsibility in every situation. I'm not going to never make an excuse. But what I want to do is as I fall on that continuum, am I consistently on the side of the continuum that is more excuse-based, or am I on the continuum side, which is more personal responsibility? And I think great leaders, they occasionally make excuses and they occasionally catch themselves not taking personal responsibility, but they catch themselves in their mischief and they try to correct it the best they can and move to that side of the continuum as best they can. And that's really what we're talking about here is what you can do to become better at taking personal responsibility, less excuse-making. Less blaming. It starts with being cognizant of it yeah. and then proceeds with actually changing the habit and being consistently personally responsible. Yeah, everyone, it's been great to have you with us today. You know, if you ever have a question about this or you want to have a conversation more about this, get a hold of me at ray at raymckinley.com. That's R-A-Y-M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y.com. And we'll respond back to you, and hopefully you can add value to our conversation 
when we get together again. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week.